philosophy is the simultaneous merger of open-mindedness and skepticism. It's a really fun dance to play. And as I've articulated in the past, it's key to the good life. It's key to a creative life. It's key to a flourishing life. This mindset of thoughtfulness, of figuring out what makes sense, what is the optimal way, what is an optimal way, what are approaches you're going to take to script your story as you live on this spinning globe in this galaxy. So that's, of course, fundamental to the conscious life, living consciously, the first pillar of self-esteem. So philosophy, the love of wisdom, right, is this dance of skepticism and open-mindedness, simultaneously pulling in two directions. How can you entertain ideas without accepting them? Be open-minded about any potential avenue and be skeptical about all potential avenues. And it's fun. It's a fun duality. So let's be playful in being principled at the same time, right? I think dogma and precision and principles can be overemphasized and definitions of words can get overly black and white. And there is certainty in the world. A is A. Two plus two equals four. Absolute truth exists. If you question that, I mean, you question it all you want, but if you seek to argue against that, it enters this land of the stolen concept fallacy as Ayn Rand articulated, where you are using the very concept you wish to disprove. And that's contradictory. So there is certainty. The question is, how much can you play with words, concepts, in the sense of context, right? Context, context, context. Where if you hear a statement, finding the mindset of, how could this be true? What if this were true? Let's entertain this as if it is true. Again, entertaining it without accepting it, which is what Aristotle said, the mark of an educated mind is one who can en entertain an idea without accepting it. So that's the open-mindedness and skepticism happening at the same time. But I'm almost going a step further here where I'm inviting 
the critical thinking, critically thinking mind to almost be a little magician or a little clown or a little jester <laughs> in the process of, of entertaining ideas where you can even hold two concepts in mind, two statements in mind at the same time that seem to contradict each other. But because you are seeing the nuance, the context of how words are defined, then they both make sense. So for example, basic example would be a statement such as you have intrinsic value and the statement you have no intrinsic value. <laughs> These are both true statements depending on the context and the specific connotation of the term intrinsic value. So this is a fairly clear example, actually where you have intrinsic value as a human, you have an intrinsic value as a human, you, by simply breathing right now, you are worthy of happiness. You have the right to exist intrinsically. And you have no intrinsic value in terms of transactions in the marketplace, in terms of creating value for others or someone giving you value, you have no right to that, right? It's up to you to build value in order to experience win-win interactions in the market, in trading with other humans. Simply because you have intrinsic value and worthiness of happiness doesn't mean that someone is going to give you money. It's going to give you value, right? So that's just stripping away all sense of entitlement. So right there, we're just defining there is, you have intrinsic value versus you have no intrinsic value. Well, it's different contexts, right? So that's a basic example. How could you continue to employ this mindset of, of playfulness versus exactness? This is the definition of this statement. This statement is pure in its meaning. I think some statements are pure in meaning. There is absolute truth. Absolute truth exists. That seems axiomatic to me. I'm not sure how you define those words differently. But I made a, a post the other day that I was seeking to be playful. Uh, I said, uh, all atheists are religious. All atheists are religious. And I understand that not many people really got that right away. 
because it was a little cryptic and it wasn't obvious that I was intending it as playfulness. But it was telling that a few people didn't really get it or didn't have this mindset of how could this be true? What does he mean by that? In what way is this true? Because there's an assumption about the definitions and the contexts. There is an assumption that we all agree upon that the definitions of these words. All atheists are religious. Well, that can't be true because atheists assert there's no supernatural. Religion means belief in the supernatural. Therefore, no meaning to that statement. Contradictory. Doesn't make any sense. Can't be true. So that's the principled mindset. That's the principled mindset. Assumption of these words have this strict definition upon which we must all agree. It's a dogmatic approach. It's a dogmatic approach. And it's principled, it's consistent. But there's almost this attachment to principles and consistency. And I'm not making a relativist argument here. Again, I see absolute truth exists. A is A. There's no way around that. I'm talking about some other auxiliary statements. Most statements aren't axiomatic. So, atheists, most atheists are religious. Well, I was referring to the fact that most atheists are still worshipers of government itself. The institution of government is a superstition that we need government in order for humans to live. Otherwise, it'd be chaos and murder, etc. It's this obedience to the mechanism, the concept, the abstraction of government. And of course, government doesn't exist in reality. Government is a collection of individual human beings who put their pants on in the morning. There's only a belief in the abstraction. Government doesn't exist just like a force doesn't exist. Only individual trees exist. Just like a crowd of people doesn't exist. Only individual people exist. As soon as those individual peoples walk in other directions, the crowd is gone. The crowd is an abstraction. Government is an abstraction in metaphysical reality. Humans walking around is physical reality. Two arms, two legs, a brain, five senses... That is a physical essence. Now, government doesn't exist. It is a belief in the concept, in the abstraction, that some groups of humans who put their pants on in the morning are authorized, supposedly, to coerce other groups of humans. Because without that, humans couldn't be trusted, right? We can't, we can't trust humans to take care of themselves. We need this overarching authority authority to make sure that all the all these humans are kept in check 
because we can't trust them to take self-responsibility, which is a contradiction because how can those humans in government somehow manage the others if those humans themselves in government can't trust themselves because they're just humans who put their pants on in the morning. They can't trust themselves, but somehow they have the authority and the ability to manage other people's lives. Contradictory. So anyway, government is an abstraction that people believe in and most atheists believe in. Most atheists make all these clear arguments about how it's impossible for God to exist. And they value consistency and logic and evidence, etc. And then worship the government itself. So that was what I meant in that way. And that's also kind of in my overarching message here about playfulness. That's actually a fairly clear example. Once you realize there's another way to define religious, all right, yeah, if most atheists are religious. But again, the point here is finding this mindset of how could this be true? What does he mean by this? In what way is this true? Especially when you read something pithy on social media. But even in, in deeper conversation, long form with, with someone else. And this is a challenge for me as well. It's easy to assume you know what the other person is meaning when they make the statement. How can you find this place of openness to the possibility that there's truth in a statement that seems to be wrong on face value. And so I'm inviting you to think this way because I think it's in your self-interest to be happy and flourishing and curious and lighter. You don't need to toss out your principles. In fact, please do not. Please do not. Please have a spine. Please have a spine and keep the skeptic side. However, I think many of us could benefit from a little supplemental boost in our openness side of the equation. How could this be true? How could this be true? And then operating as if it's true. Operating as if it's true. What, what happens? Doing n equals 1 experiments. What happens if I believe this for fun? I'm not actually just full-on believing it, but I'm going to, for a period of time, operate as if this were true. Right? What about law of attraction? The idea of if you visualize your future vividly, then those visions will come true. They will come true if you have the conviction and vividness of the visioning that they will actualize. So you hear 
that type of assertion, how can you be more self-interested rather than your skeptical brain coming up and saying, this is how it's not true. This is how the law of attraction is not true. You need to have action. Nothing manifests without action. Therefore, law of attraction has no value, essentially. And we need to throw that out the window. Because I've disproven it with my principled criticism that nothing happens without the decisions and the doing and the action that takes effort. And the visioning alone won't make it happen. It's easy to get in that black and white mindset, assuming that a law of, law of attraction principles mean a certain thing. Ooh, I heard law of attraction. Ooh, I know what that means. That means visioning simply mean, will manifest. And it's cold. It's cold and inflexible interpretation of the statements. If you're flexible and playful about the interpretation and having this humility, essentially, about your own conceptions and definitions of words. Definitions of words are everything. Why do you assume that you know the definitions of each of those words? As well as the contexts and how those words string together. The context, how could the statement be true? Visioning will manifest results. Could it? So N equals one. Operate as if it's true. Play around. Just like I'm ah, the next next couple months I'm gonna assume this is true. Forget the entire skepticism of it. Forget that you gotta make sure that you consciously put in the work to move the project forward. Just throw that out the window for a bit. Just for a bit. This is the playfulness. So you're not actually just dogmatically, obediently integrating this law of attraction as the truth. You're saying, how could this be true? Let's play around with this one. All right. I'm going to entertain this. Really, I'm going to walk around in my daily life for this next couple months or whatever. You don't even need to be strict about this time frame. It's just, all right, for the next while, I'm going to assume this is true. But of course, you know, in the back of your mind, you've already created the frame for this playful experiment that you're not absolutely believing it. You're doing an N equals one experiment. How can my life get better. How could my life get better? If I simply assume this is true, trust yourself that you can entertain ideas without accepting them and live in that space, baby, live in that space. Just like live in there for a while. Yeah. I'm entertaining this and just liberate yourself 
and the need to make sure in this case that you are consciously efforting daily action steps to manifest your vision, but really just you're letting that go for a while and you're simply focusing on the vision and you're going to see what happens, see what happens with your automatically with what you engage in. Right. I think that's a more fun way to live. And again, it's not throwing away your principles. It's not throwing away your principles. It's a lighter disposition going through life. And you could leave that space as well. You don't need to live in the the in-between, right? What I'm really inviting you to kind of shake up here in your mindset is the option to be playful. The option to be playful, to entertain. When you read a statement, you read a personal development book, you is your automatic non-discerning, non-conscious impulse to find what is untrue about something. And that part of you wants, you know, to be independent. Trying to get a need met. Trying to get a need met. You don't want to be gullible, right? And let anything in. So how can you, rather than let that part of you drive, the skeptical part, just like always be up in the front of the living room, you are the puppeteer, right? You have the skeptical part of you and you have the open-minded part of you. And you're at the top. Like you have one side, let's just say the skeptical part on a puppet analogy, right? The puppet has one arm is the skeptical part and the other arm is the open-minded part and you're at the top and you're dangling this puppet as a puppeteer. I might be using the wrong term here. I'm puppeteer, maybe the wrong term. I'm just imagining... Is it marionette? You know, when you have the person above the stage and there's the strings attached to the puppet, right? So you're you're like this capital S self, self-leader. And you're in charge. You're in charge of these arms. So you're going to allow that skeptical arm to maybe rest at its side for a while. Rest at its side for a while. So yeah, you don't need to have that skeptical arm just always up. But you put it up when you want it to be up. But how could it be true? When is it true? In what way is it true? Can I act as if it's true? I'll give you one more example which is this language of nonviolent communication, which we've talked about on the show numerous times. Episode 17 with my friend Katie Testa, who's a nonviolent communication trainer and professional. That's the, that's the show to go to, to hear the overview of nonviolent communication or connected communication, compassionate communication, to leave the land of shame, blame, and judgment and enter the land of needs in order to move through conflict, in order to understand what 
is motivating somebody. So this whole, I went to this meetup group yesterday, practicing NVC, and we were talking about a common objection in the land of NVC, which is the word needs, right? So needs are the motivations underlying all human behavior. And if you go to cnvc.org, the Center for Nonviolent Communication, you can look up their needs inventory and you see what are essentially universal human needs, whether that's purpose, rest, meaning, celebration, growth, acceptance, belonging, visibility, challenge, compassion. We all want these in our lives. So the common objection is, I don't like the word needs. I don't like the word needs. Because that implies that you have a scarcity mindset. You don't need to have compassion or you don't need purpose in order to survive. You could get along without it. So I don't like the word needs. I don't want to replace that word. So let's change to values or I desire or I'm motivated by that. I want this. I'm seeking this. I'm seeking growth. I'm seeking belonging. I'm seeking to matter. I would like to have sexual pleasure. I desire self-esteem. I desire consciousness. So the critique is let's replace the word need so that there's not a sense of, I have a void in myself. And if I don't fill it, I am deficient in my life. This is the criticism. And there's a, a connotation of this word neediness. Neediness. We don't want to be desperate, right? We don't want to be clinging to people to help asking others to get our needs met. And if I don't get this, there's something wrong. Okay, so in that sense, yeah. Neediness in that connotation, maybe we don't want that. So here's where my philosophy of this podcast is coming in. This particular episode of this podcast comes into this equation of NBC. How can you be less principled about definitions of words? How can you be more playful, flexible, look at words as silly putty? <laughs> look at words as a silly putty. That's what it is. It's like, yeah, needs can have that definition. Can have that definition. Depending on the context depending on the intention, depending on the subject, sub, subjective experience of the individual 
engaging with the word. I need to have security in life. I need. Well, that could be coming from a place of desperation based on your own childhood experience. Of you didn't have secure attachment. You didn't have a sense of safety in your environment. So then the nervous system has a relationship to the word need in that context of desperation. But you can also engage with the word need in a different way. So maybe it's capital N need versus lowercase n need. If you want to have a a different label on it, maybe capital N need has that connotation of desperation. Lowercase n need is more, oh, this is a nice, it would be nice to have this. It would enhance my life. But it is a valid, it is a valid you know, physiological signal when my body says, I'm missing out on connection right now. I need connection. I need connection right now. Right. It's valid, even if it's not a capital N need. Okay. <laughs> so like I, I've encountered these types of objections in this NVC world. And it's like, look, do what you want. Like, use whatever word you want. It's all about how you you relate to the word in your own head. What's your connotation of the word? So I think there is value in using word the word need rather than a softer, like, this would be des- a desire or value because it almost downplays it. It's like, it's, it's, it's not as important. Yeah, you need water and air, but you don't need connection and visibility and empathy. I like needs. Lowercase n. I also I also see the value in using other words, replacement words, based on the context. If I'm interacting with someone and I think that they don't like the word need, maybe I want them to choose the word desire or seeking or value. You're wanting, you're desiring connection right now, I can tell, it seems. If I maybe in that certain context, I said, I think you're needing connection. Maybe they would, that would trigger them because of their own stuff and their own relationship to the word needs. If I pick that up, then I might say, oh, it's in my self-interest in order to move this conversation forward. I'm going to choose this word instead. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's no one right, one right way to interpret it. And be playful with it and... And think about what Matt, what's the best way, what's the uh, optimal way in that context, right? So this all goes back to this. How could it be true? How could it be true? When is it true? In what way is it true? Let's operate as if it's true. Needs is an effective word. Desires is an effective word. Whatever. Yes, all of the above, depending on the context. Rather than, I need to take a principled approach and determine my answer to the question, which is the best word to describe what NVC calls needs? 
you don't need to have a figured out philosophical principle, dogmatic, black and white approach to that question. You can have a playful philosophical disposition. (laughs) So much more fun. They're all true depending on the context. They're all true depending on the context. Put them all in your toolkit and take out the tool that, that is what you'd like to take out in this certain situation. So I hope this has been valuable. Thanks for listening. I got on a little... I caught a wave there for a while in my riffing. Appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully this is engaging and entertaining and can shake you up a bit in your day-to-day mindset and thinking about your own personal growth, thinking about tools and tactics and of ways that you're going to improve your life by 1%, you know, and ways that you want to continue to empower yourself, right? And the mindset, I think, is everything. So if this has been valuable to you, consider donation. Ko-fi.com slash empowered, K-O-F-I. Dot com slash empowered. It would mean a lot to me to know from you, the dear listener, that what I'm doing is permeating into your life. You're seeing some of these takeaways, these mindsets, offerings, these tools, perhaps percolating into your day and week. And if that's the case for you, I'd really appreciate you giving it a few bucks, just a couple cups of coffee to, to signal to me that, yeah, Joel, please keep, keep it up, keep it up. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.